Hello, this is Liv Peterson from Starting Up Now. Thanks for joining us today on KMNP Shift. In this podcast, I have the opportunity to interview L. Brian Jenkins, author of No More Nonprofits, Moving from Dependency to Sustainability. In this episode, we will discuss the problem with nonprofits and why too many nonprofits fail due to the lack of a good mission and model. Take a listen and hope you enjoy KMNP Shift. Hello, Brian. Welcome to the show today. We will be discussing Chapter 6, The Problem with Nonprofits. Too many nonprofits fail due to a lack of good mission and model. So we're going to get into that today. In the beginning of this chapter, there's a statement which says, entrepreneurs want the freedom to start again. I love that. Can you unpack that a little bit more and let us know what you mean by that? Sure. Um, It's one of those deals where entrepreneurs oftentimes become entrepreneurs because they want freedom. And freedom is something that you can't always put a price on. Um, One of the things that um, stands out to me is my brother-in-law, Myron Davis's song, it's called Free. What I'm talking about in this particular chapter is one of the lyrics, you know, he wants to have the freedom as an artist to start again, to start with new ideas, new models, and just be able to dream again. And sometimes as entrepreneurs, when we're bogged down in the day-to-day, you can sometimes forget why you started all of this. And so it's really important that we have the freedom at any time to begin again to think about the things that made it important for us to start from the very beginning. Um, Sometimes we can say getting back to the fundamentals, um, you know, whatever that is for you, but freedom is is really important, particularly for me. I don't wanna be limited uh, by someone's box that they put around me. I wanna be free, I wanna be entrepreneurial, I wanna have the opportunity to begin again if necessary. It's really good. And I love what you said about when you're busy in the day to day or there's so many responsibilities, you can lose sight of that mission, of that model, that framework. So the next question I have is in your chapter, it says it is often the leader of the nonprofit that runs the risk of becoming distracted by the operation like we talked about versus the nonprofit's initially intended purpose. And you said distractions can be deadly. Can you give us an example of what you mean by this? Sure. Um, Yeah, distractions are deadly for anyone, particularly in in your business model. But it goes back further for me. Years ago, when I grew up with an uncle who often talked to me about his service in World War II, and I talk about this in the book, and it's one of the things that, you know, when the Japanese and the Americans were fighting the Battle of Midway, the Japanese uh, lost four aircraft carriers in that battle simply because they became distracted. It was really tactics and strategy. The Americans were were getting beat up. You know, they were losing. And you know, this is shortly after Pearl Harbor, the, the Battle of Midway. They were essentially getting getting hammered. And so these American pilots, these they were dive bombing from ten thousand you know feet up in the air, and the Japanese were only attacking the low-level torpedo bombers. And so because they were flying low and only focused on those planes that were flying just above the waves, they didn't pay attention, their their aircraft cover didn't pay attention to the American dive bombers that were diving down on the, tor- you know, on the um, aircraft carrier. So they never saw them. They were completely distracted. 
The other deal that they did, um, because there was a lot of transition from, you know, when they were trying to figure out if they were going to attack Midway, they were trying to determine if they were going to use land-based bombs versus they thought they might run into American carriers. So they were they left their torpedoes and the bombs on the deck of the aircraft carrier just as the Americans attacked. And it was a catastrophe. They lost, uh, I think, four carriers in less than 35 to 40 minutes and completely probably changed uh, the direction of the Pacific War. And one of the key reasons why the Americans ended up winning, because they almost destroyed the Japanese Imperial Navy in one in one battle. I think that's such a powerful story because it shows you the devastation that can come from being distracted, not staying on mission, not paying attention. And I feel like a lot of nonprofit leaders are susceptible to some distractions. Yes. What are some of the distractions you have seen ruin people, ruin nonprofit leaders when it comes to their mission and their finances? Sure. I think one of the key challenges is when you run when you run or operate nonprofit or for profit you forget why you started and in the nonprofit space we often start out with a good in mind we want to serve we want to volunteer we really want to help but the challenge becomes that help does not always seem to pay the bills you have to have the revenue coming in and you can become distracted by the, the focus on money. And um, years ago, um, I was at a conference called uh, the Christian Community Development Association, CCDA, and a great speaker, um, a man that was well known in the industry uh, by the name of Tom Skinner. And this is my first CCDA conference. I had met Tom previously uh, when I was in grad school, and I got to be a chauffeur, you know, for that day. This is back in my Wheaton College grad days. Tom was speaking at the CCDA, and he, and he coined this term I'll never forget. He called it the monster versus the ministry. And the ministry is why you got up and got started, whether it's a, you know, whether it's a ministry, nonprofit, NGO, whatever. But he said that monster becomes the administration, it's, it becomes the social media in, in, in our modern times, it becomes the how are we going to drive revenue in order to meet the demands, in order to do the good that we're trying to do. So it's literally the monster of keeping the ministry or the organization going versus the ministry or the mission. And many times we can become distracted by that. I was distracted by that at one point. And a, and a friend of mine literally told me, stopped me in my tracks and said, just focus on execution. Don't worry about the money as much. Your network, you know, you've been doing this for a while. You know, make sure you execute on everything that you do. And it literally reshaped entrepreneurity from being about a half a million dollar organization to around, I think we're around two million to two and a half million dollars right now. Don't let the side hustles become, you know, the reality. And the next thing you know, you're completely distracted. You're off focus. Your team is off focus and people forget why they're doing what they're doing. Mm, That's really well said. In your book, in this chapter, you talk about your personal experience with the Chicago Business Accelerator and how you were kind of caught up in that and felt yourself going off mission or people were trying to pull you into presenting yourself in a certain way. Can sure. you talk about that? 
Yeah, a couple years ago, we were going around um, and we were meeting so many new people. I was seeing the same faces, hearing the same stories, you know, at different locations, different functions. It became, you know, obvious to me that some people were just into this to tell their story. For the clout. For the clout. <laughs> it was like, I got to the point where I was like, don't you have a job to do in order to keep <laughs> what you're doing? I mean, you have to execute, you have to get things done. And it just seemed like they wanted to see and just and hear themselves and meet, but they never seemed to get any work done. And that's what I was encouraged to do. But, it, but I had to stop myself because as a nonprofit, the kind of structure that we are, you know, where we have earned revenue, if I going to these meetings was great, you know, maybe once or twice every other week or maybe even a month, but constantly doing that was, was not generating revenue, was not generating the leads. That was not how our model worked. So I certainly believe in networking. I certainly believe in connecting. And I mean, part of what we do is connecting, but it's strategic. And you often have to be able to put markers on that, or how much time you can spend to that. Not every event, not every call, you don't have to take those. So you need to be strategic and decisive about what is going to help further your mission, your goals, without causing you to lose focus. It goes back to execution, like what's going to help you execute? Is this going to further me or is this just going to keep me in the same yes. hamster wheel over Absolutely. and over doing the same Absolutely. thing? Yeah. So when we talk about execution, the next question I have is you talk about how vital it is for nonprofits to be transparent with their financial records, yes, right? Absolutely. So can you walk us through the fundamentals of what a nonprofit needs in order to do this the right way? The fundamentals for me are um, one of the things that we execute at Entrenuity and do on a consistent basis is we have a, a bookkeeper that's not connected to the organization, independent bookkeeper, um, who provides our bookkeeping service. I've known her for years. She knows how the organization functions, but she's separate. She does not work. You know, she's not an employee of Entrenuity. So there's always that level of separation from, you know, versus having one someone do that in-house. Mm -hmm. Then we have um, an accountant who basically files all the 990s, the tax forms, the quarterly reports, all of those things. I mean, the bookkeeper, she files some of those things as well, but the accountant ensures that those are accurately filed. So the 990s essentially... Think about it like it's your personal tax return, but it's the business's tax return. And it's an IRS, you know, form 990 within the nonprofit industry, so to speak. And and that literally tells you, you know, exactly, you know, just like your personal income tax um, forms tell you, you know, you know, how have you done in the past year? The 990 does the same. And then we provide an annual report. And an annual report is essentially, you know, and this can be done quarterly. It often can be done quarterly. We do send quarterly updates to our board. You know, we do reports in our monthly newsletter. But a, an annual report essentially sums up what the organization um, has been able to execute over the past year. And it oftentimes reports the financials as well. The aspect of nonprofits, and believe me, you know, I've made my mistakes. And so that's why you learn a lot from your mistakes. One thing that you learn quickly is the IRS or Iris, <laughs> as we like to call her, um, she will find you. She will you know, come she quick. will come quick. Um, she will come with penalties and interest. Believe me, I've been through that before. The best thing that you can do is essentially get people who know what they're doing. Just because you can 
use QuickBooks or some other software does not mean that that's your area of expertise. Many of us, when we're first starting out, we think we can do it all. And depending on your growth rate, depending on your industry, you have to know what form needs to be filed, when it needs to be filed. And you can work with your accountant, too, on strategy, you know, because there's certain ways that you can get credits, you know, for certain things. Sometimes you can write off certain things, but you have to know what those things are. Make no assumptions. Work with experts when you can. That's that's my recommendation. And always be transparent. Anyone can request a copy of our 990. It's available on, you know, the IRS's website, another website called GuyStar. And we also make it available on our website, you know, along with our annual report. So we believe in complete transparency. So because we are a as a 501c3, a corporation, nonprofit, we are required to have our financials um, made public because we are a uh, public-based organization. Mm. And then you also talk a little bit about board of directors. Why is it so important to have a board of directors? First of all, you're required to have a board. Let me be clear in that. Um, And when you file um, and secure your IRS or go through the process of securing your 501c3, you are required to have a board of directors. I think the board of directors, but also the board of advisors. Mm -hmm. The board of directors helps govern the the legality of the organization. And that's important because I believe in small, effective boards versus big boards that don't do anything. Um, Boards that you can call up and they can really give you advice. Sometimes they'll tell you what you don't want to hear, but it needs to be said. And so I look at our board. I'm thankful for those who have served in the past because believe me, when I got this thing going, it was, you know, it was, it was tough, but they helped me get to, you know, where we're at right now. I think the board that we have now really helps govern the organization because we're much bigger, we're in a different place and we're getting more attention. And so having levels of expertise, such as people who have run a business, they have been in various levels of leadership, not just the people who love you and want to support you, but people who have an experience beyond you. You know, you don't want everybody to be just like you. You want people to have different skill sets, oftentimes from different industries and have experience. There's nothing that can make up for experience. And so and then you have to listen. Early, I had a hard head. It was like, hey, I thought I could do it all on my own. Mm -hmm. And it was tough. Um, but the board and those who support us, you know, they support me, but more importantly, they believe in the organization and the goals and the objectives. Everything goes back to not being distracted and mission, right? So your board is there to help you keep you on mission absolutely, and have that accountability. Yes. In the next part of the chapter, you wrote the saying, can your organization function effectively and generate its own revenue source or will it constantly be dependent on others? Can you unpack that a little bit? Yeah, it's the idea of sustainability. Entrepreneurity as an organization up until recent was primarily driven by revenue that we earned from programmatic activity. Mm-hmm. And years ago, when I first launched Entrepreneurity in 99, I was really told by people that you cannot be a nonprofit organization with for-profit rates. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't do that because that advice didn't make any sense for me because I didn't have the contacts to go out and ask people to write checks and all that at that time. You know, we've grown. I mean, now we have, you know, supporters who support us well um, financially, and we're thankful for those friends. But the challenge is, is that when I was first starting out, I didn't have those people. 
And so the model in, in, in the chapter in the book, and we'll talk more about this in that chapter, the 70-30 principle. But we have found that over time, you know, during that time that I was able to secure revenue from schools, from organizations that helped me drive the revenue in that we needed to operate. And so in essence, we were creating what's so popular to talk about now, sustainability, 20 years ago. Not because there was a strategy. I was simply trying to survive. That's what I knew. I knew I'd go out and teach. I knew I could earn revenue. And that level of sustainability and that model was always inherent within the organization. And it really allowed and attracted funders. Many people in the corporate world were saying, particularly this one CEO of this company said he was more attracted that we had the ability to create sustainability and earned revenue. So we weren't completely dependent on his funds. We had a product and a service that had value in the marketplace. And that attracts the businesses, that attracts the owners, so you're not completely dependent upon their dollars to operate. And believe me, I've been on both sides of the tracks. Sometimes you really need it, and sometimes you're doing well. But sustainability, particularly in these times, every nonprofit needs to be able to identify what product or service that they can do, uh, how can they enhance something, versus always looking for a donor to write them a check. Be entrepreneurial. Mm -hmm. And I think even probably the donors that are writing you the checks, right, if they're seeing, hey, he's making initiative, he's Absolutely. going out there, he's creating a product, yes. he has a service rather Absolutely. than just like waiting for a handout. Yeah. It's remarkable. The less dependent we become donors, the more they've opened up financial resources for us to be let's say entrepreneurial. It's it's a remarkable twist because the more they see that we can sustain, the more that they can see that we're innovative, we're trying, the more they're willing to try with us. Even if we fail, they love the fact that we're failing. And what I say, fail forward. You know, they see the mistakes and believe me, we have made mistakes, but we've been transparent. We've always told the truth. And there's that level of trust, trust that's developed and that we've earned over time. We're in a relationship. And so those are the fundamentals. But the key thing is, is that, you know, they can see the opportunities from us being an entrepreneurial organization. So they're oftentimes saying, what's the next opportunity? You know, knowing that there's risk, you know, because that's, you know, risk and reward are part of, you know, are part of this, 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 this journey. And so uh, sustainability, that's part of it as well. But never forget the ability to step off the cliff and into the abyss and take that risk. Many of them have done that as well. So they can understand that challenge. So as we wrap up today's episode, what is one piece of advice that you could give the struggling entrepreneur, the entrepreneur that feels like they've been dependent for so long on fundraising or being their main source of revenue? What is your what is your piece of advice? What I would do is, you know, suggest is, and it's easy for me to say this because I don't know their story, but what happened for me was I found a skill and, you know, I, I was a good teacher. I've mm -hmm. always been a good teacher. I've been blessed with that skill. I found a need, you know, and the need were, was that many students, youth and adults did not have fundamental, basic entrepreneurial skills, mm -hmm. you know, organizations as well. And so, you know, it was my mindset that said, you know what, I'm going to use and leverage the skills that I have 
to be me, not to be somebody else. You have to get better in certain skills. I get that. But what's the one thing that I could do that was that that I did that was good? What do you have now? Yeah, that I could do, for lack of better words, better than anybody else. And and it was to teach, you know, and and then I became good at my craft. I looked at every challenge as an opportunity, you know. So if someone said no, that just meant no right now. That didn't mean for the no forever. It was like, okay, I'm gonna come back to this person in six months. But and and that gives me six months to get better. So I would suggest if you're dependent upon a donor, um, identify an opportunity, you know, look at a challenge and see, does that challenge lead to an opportunity that you can maximize? And don't always focus on the maximization of that from a nonprofit perspective. Maybe there's a for-profit opportunity in there as well, but focus on a skill set that you have that may be able to move you to become less dependent upon donors. Thanks again for joining us today on KMNP Shift, where we discuss the unseen and unspoken barriers you must overcome to do your job. We are always happy to hear from you, so please reach out to us at www.entrenuity.com. Interested in booking a workshop on this content? Email us at info at Follow us on all social media channels at Entrenuity. And don't forget to grab a copy of your book, No More Nonprofits Moving from Dependency to Sustainability, available on Amazon. Until next time, this is your host, Liv Peterson with KMNP Shift.